20 days after the GOP ousted Speaker McCarthy, and the effort to elect his successor is back to square one. Nine different Republicans are set to pitch their colleagues on their push to be Speaker. That's going to happen tonight as the House remains totally paralyzed. CNN's Manu Raju is live on Capitol Hill with a breakdown of the new race for the top job. Obviously, the question, which has been the question for 20 days, is who can get the 217, 216, depending on how many people are there, in order to actually become Speaker? Yeah, and that is the question if any of them actually can at the moment. There's ample doubt that none of them can. It has been an all-out free-for-all since Jim Jordan became the second Republican to step aside amid this paralyzed House and the inability of Jordan and before him, Steve Scalise, to get the 217 votes they needed to be elected Speaker. Can any of these nine do just that? There has been a furious effort behind the scenes to try to lock up the vote commitments before a secret ballot leadership election that will take place tomorrow morning to nominate the next Speaker of the House. The frontrunner is viewed as Tom Emmer, the, the House Republican whip, but he has by no means locked this this race up, given the fact that it's incredibly crowded. I've talked to one of them just earlier today, Congressman Dan Muser. He's a Republican from Pennsylvania. His task, he says, is trying to unify this badly divided Republican conference. I mean, let's face it, Kevin McCarthy was taken out unfairly. Those people that took him out, most of them, maybe all of them, were my friends, but as I said, I respect each and every one of them. That's got to be the case moving forward. The American people want us to stop this dysfunction and get on with it. Just on the aid to Israel-Ukraine, do you agree with the President and Senator McConnell that those two issues should be linked together? Absolutely not. And that is one of the big questions for any of these potential speakers, is how they will deal with some of the key legislative issues that simply cannot be acted upon amid this GOP leadership crisis, namely how to move forward with aid to Israel, how to move forward with aid to Ukraine, how to avoid a government shutdown. You heard the congressman there tell me that he will not support tying Ukraine aid to Israel aid, even though that is what Joe Biden has called for, and even what 7th Republican leader Mitch McConnell has called for. So even once the speaker is elected, Dana, expect a huge huge fight over these key consequential issues, but they can't even act upon it until a speaker is elected. A fight among House Republicans? It's shocking. <laughs> totally shocking. Yeah. Manu, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Here with me in the studio to share their reporting, CNN's Jeff Zeleny, Leanne Caldwell of The Washington Post, and CNN's Daniel Strauss. Leanne, I've seen you out there. You've been wa walking the halls, working the members uh, along with Manu. What are you hearing? What's your sense? Um, Echoing Mono's reporting that it's going to be really difficult for anyone to find 217 votes. They have nine candidates right now, a contested race. Divisions are running deep. Feelings are hurt. Revenge sometimes is top of mind. And so it's going to be extremely problematic and difficult. Um, they're going to try. Tom Emmer is the front runner, but Trump's team is uh, working to make sure that he is not elected. I just confirmed a few minutes ago that um, Trump, who was going to stay out of the race, has now directed his allies to try to because take down Emmer. There's a long list of things. He hasn't endorsed Donald Trump. He voted to certify the election. Bing, 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 bing. Yes. Okay, and that's where I was going with so, that follow-up. Yep. Well, uh, on that note, um, let's just look at, this is in many ways a, a personality uh, contest, but it's also about some key issues. Uh, one is, as you said, and this is, there's a lot on your screen, so let me just walk you through. The first two uh, are Tom Emmer and Austin Scott, first two of nine. 
candidates for speaker, they are the only ones who supported, voted to uh, certify the election, which is where Tom Emmer uh, goes sideways with Donald Trump. Uh, also, Ukraine aid, they uh, support that, and they support the debt ceiling. They supported the debt ceiling deal. So those are the first two who actually align with Senate Republicans and, frankly, the White House, particularly on Ukraine. I mean, it is pretty amazing when the uh, cardinal sin is that you supported the certification of the election. But that's where we are. Look, I'm not sure that this is going to be policy-driven at all. I mean, that has not been the point here. The big question is, as we enter yet another week, is, is this a fever-breaking? Are donors, are other sort of party elders, to the extent that there are any anymore, are they sort of weighing in and saying, guys, enough is enough? So I'm not sure um, you know, that any of these nine are different than the three. Some have much less baggage, obviously. Uh, but the, the reality is that no one is going to line up perfectly. So I think it's going to take an outside force or just, you know, someone, uh, you know, finally coming to their senses internally. One of these nine maybe, um, you know, has better relationships with some of these members. That's what we're about to find out. But it's not necessarily their exact uh, role on all of these uh, votes. It's going to take an outside force to say, guys, finally it's over. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it is, we haven't seen in many corners of the GOP right now fever breaking in any sort of um, sense, and this is no different. But I, I want to stress here that for Trump, this is about power, and this is about, it, this comes at a time when on the campaign trail and in Congress, he's worried about losing control, losing his iron grip on the party. So he wants whoever emerges from this extended speaker fight. Uh, that he wants that person to be ex incredibly pro-Trump, incredibly supportive of him, no matter what yeah, he does. Except his guy, Jim Jordan, lost. Uh, and uh, so he, his attempts at that has not gone anywhere. Leanne, I want you to listen to what Mike McCall, who's the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, said uh, just yesterday. I have to say, uh, and it's my 10th term in Congress. Yeah. This is probably one of the most embarrassing uh, things I've seen because if we don't have a Speaker of the House, we can't govern. And every day it goes by, we're essentially shut down as a government. Yeah, I'm, he's not wrong. He's absolutely right. Electing a Speaker of the House is always hard work, but it's usually one of the easiest things that a party does. And we have spent three weeks on this exact issue, and there's no end in sight. Government funding runs out on November 17th. We have this $106 billion Ukraine-Israel package uh, that the White House is wanting to get passed. Um, and, you know, every single day, as McCall says, that they are focusing on this, they are not doing the work. Yeah, you got to wonder when the adults in the room, like Mike McCall, who are calling this embarrassing and have been for weeks, uh, just kind of take over and say, okay, guys, enough. With us now, CNN political commentator and host of PBS Firing Line, Margaret Hoover, and CNN anchor and senior political analyst, John Avlon. Uh, Margaret, how great do Republicans feel right now in the House about where they are? <laughs> yeah, they're all looking at themselves in the mirror and repeating their mantra, like, this is not my fault, this is not my fault, this is not my fault. Um, it's all their fault. That was a joke, but this is... This is really bad. It reflects badly on the Republican Party. It reflects badly on the conference. And the truth is, they're going to go through an exercise tonight where they try to look at these nine and figure out who can get to 217. And the answer is none of them can. I continue to believe, after all the intrigue that you'll hear from my husband over here on the right, 
we are still most likely to have a caretaker, Speaker McHenry, who, who cracks out a deal with Hakeem Jeffries and able to fund the government through these important funding decisions through the next 90 days. That's my prediction, John Avalon. Take it. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the, the assist there. No, look, I, I've been saying for a long time, that, you know, my Aaron Sorkin script fantasy that Democrats will find a way to come together with centrist Republicans. Center's got a hold. I've spoke to Republican members of the conference who say, look, we're exhausted. There's no obvious way out. Emmer is the most logical person to do it, Tom Emmer. Um, but he committed this sin of certifying the election i.e. he's not an election denier. And that has drawn Donald Trump's ire, trying to make him toxic, despite the fact he has McCarthy's endorsement and he's a member of leadership. Um, McHenry, as a caretaker, may be possible. Uh, ultimately, I think the center's got a hold, and that would be a great thing for the country. In the meantime, this is just self-inflicted. Here's case. some reporting on Emmer from CNN this weekend, that he put out a letter to colleagues on Saturday, and he said that he was seeking the speakership with the goal of delivering, quote, historic change. And but what, it is, and this is the unanswerable question and why I will not pose it, which is <laughs> what, what does that look like here? I mean, is, is that the kind of pitch that can win enough support, just historic change? I mean, you're already looking at a historic mess, so you're in the middle of it. There is no, and there's no sense that Emmer is going to be able to not just get to 217, but that he will get the, the far right of the party. He voted to certify the election. He voted for gay marriage. He voted to, for the continuing resolution. He's voted for all these things that the Gates crowd and the Freedom Caucus all say are heretical. So how then is he going to be able to pull together the coalition that Kevin McCarthy couldn't hold on to? I don't know, by promising like a functioning federal government, but which I know is not terribly sexy that, to that, some folks on the far right. That's not a winning right, argument. Which is Alan, nuts. And the, the, whole, the whole promising of change is, is, I mean, look, change is not a strategy. It's not a destination. That's really just a, we're going to be bold. Come with me on my promise of bold, you know. Uh, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what did they learn from three weeks of nothing is apparently nothing? Because that's the, the pitch should be like, we just need to... Well, one look, in front of the this, other. this is the fundamental problem with the house on fire, world on fire situation we are in. This is self-inflicted. This just doesn't make the Republican Party bad or the conference look bad. It makes the country look bad. It makes democracy look bad. And so you'd hope that they could rise above all their petty squabbling to at least find a way to fund, you know, the things that need to be funded and not shut down the government in a time of crisis. That seems to be mission impossible. But here's here's hoping they hit 217. Well,